0: Welcome to the Deconstructed Woman podcast, a podcast about breaking down barriers between women, exploring and sharing perspectives of each individual woman's experience and discovering what we have in common and what makes us different. Hosted by Elisa Marie and Joji. So welcome back to the Deconstructed Woman podcast. This week, we decided to talk about something that I honestly tried to encompass when raising my children, but I think that it came out a little bit different than I anticipated. And it's about gender neutral parenting. I think in, and Joji, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think in the more recent generations, we're seeing this push for more gender neutral approaches to parenting. And, and so I know for me, when I was having my daughter, which was now about eight years ago, I, at my baby shower, I mean, there was still, you know, like, I think everybody knew it was a girl. And so, you know, the cupcakes were pink and things like that. But the actual things that I had on my registry, like the baby nursery, decor was all gender neutral. I, I had picked the theme teddy bears. And so everything was gender neutral because I was going to raise my kid to kind of find her own way in the world. And I didn't want to unduly influence her. And so that was my plan. And quite frankly, from the day she was born, she was in pink dresses and pink bows and and I can't really tell you why that happened, but I can tell you that that was just what occurred. And so, as much as I had the forethought of I want her to be gender neutral, she was not, and none of my kids uh, have up until this point been. So I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts and what your experiences were, and kind of meld that with mine to kind of of gender neutral parenting.
1: Sure. Um, I also, my daughter, uh, my one and only is a girl. And so back when I was pregnant, uh, probably in the mid 90s, I think that there was more attention given to the sex of your child and then decorating and everything the way that um, you either you felt or uh, you cater to if it was a boy or a girl more so than in the later, like the subsequent generations. And I agree with you on that. I will though say that um, for my nursery room, I mean, I really love jewel tones. And so uh, the baby room was actually jewel tones. And it really tried to put together something more of um, our personalities as parents. And so it probably wasn't a traditional baby room. Uh, my daughter's father was a, a, like la- lifting weights and working out a lot. So the, the uh, wall- wallpaper in the center of her room was little animals working out. And so that was really to, you know, bring my husband, her father into the process at that time and get him as excited about being pregnant um, and make him feel a part of it. But uh, so jewel tones versus like pinks and blues. Um, but at the same time, I have noticed that in the last 10 years, I think uh, families who have I think we've seen lots of different things. I think there was, you know, a phase where people went the way they didn't want to know the sex of the child. And so there was lots of gender neutral colors and things like that chosen because they wanted to be surprised. Now, I think in the last five years, you've got gender reveal parties, which is the opposite of that, and a lot of um, party planning around the spectacular you know, revealing of what the gender is um, and all the activities that go along with that. And so I think we've seen sort of swings back and forth. But I also want to say that what we're talking about is focusing on raising children and exposing them to not one specific or boy behaviors or girl behaviors and keeping that very rigid. I think that as I've been talking to some of my friends about this topic, I think there's some confusion about gender fluidity and that's not what we're talking about. I just wanna be clear about that. What we're talking about is gender neutral parenting and allowing our children to um, lead us in what they're interested in, what they like to do and us, following their lead. Do you agree with that definition or the distinction I'm making, Lisa?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that, you know, I, I think that it is two separate concepts and, but I think that there is maybe some, some motivation behind some parents to want to say, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to dress my kids in pink or blues because I want them to have gender fluidity. But I, again, I, I agree. That's not necessarily what we're discussing today. What we're talking about is, like you said, just kind of giving them, I I think that it's really maybe a pushback on the societal concepts of girls play with dolls and boys play with trucks. And that concept that I think has kind of been, I don't know if I would say pushed away, but it's been kind of rejected in some ways from some of the, some individuals, some parents have said, I don't want my, you know, my child to my son to play with dolls, or I don't want my my daughter to play with trucks. and And so then kind of flipping that script and saying, No, you know, my kid can play with whatever they want. And I think that, you know, I have just more recently had friends who, you know, the husbands were very offended if the you know the little boy picked up a baby doll and it's like well that's okay like it's it's not there's no not that I know of any scientific negative consequence for that but I think that it it feeds into those stereotypical roles of how we raise children and what you know if if a little boy plays with a doll is he then going to yeah I think we could probably see how that's gonna go you know the fear that he's going to turn out a certain way. And I think that that's where some parents are saying, you know, we, whatever our child, whatever they, their sexuality or their sexual orientation or whatever, that doesn't matter. We're just going to create this gender neutral environment and see how it goes.
1: Right. I agree. And I think that that's what is most important. I think part of my influence early on with my daughter was that I wanted I wanted her to know that she was going to have all the same opportunities that if I had had a son would have had. So, you know, I'm not going to limit her dreaming big or thinking about, you know, if she wanted to be an engineer, if she wanted to be in construction, or if she wanted to be an architect, all of that was great. Um, And in my mind, that ties into something we've talked about before, which is STEM careers um, for girls, and really, my growing my or raising my daughter during that time, where it was like, yes, girls should be exposed to all the same things. Let's not limit the messages we give our children because they are a boy or because they are a girl. And I have to say, I think that boys have it harder in this in this in this conversation because, you know, I do. There's a lot of literature that says that, you know, boys at a certain age do play or are attracted to, uh, you know, doll-like figures and things like that. But I do know that, um, you know, there are fathers that get, you know, somewhat upset if they see kids, you know, their sons playing too much with a doll or however, whatever too much is, I'm not really sure. But, you know, nobody gives girls any kind of grief if they see girls playing with trucks or, you know, building people out of Legos or, and so here, I think there is sort of um, a gender difference in the way that we, we encourage our daughters to play with all toys, but then we might actually limit our sons in playing with things that are considered more feminine. Now, so, you know, since you have one of each, what do you, how have you, have you seen that ever play out? Um, In your situation, or do you sort of fight against that? Do you and your husband sort of have the same opinion about the way that kids are, or is it just sort of a free for all and all the all the toys are available and whoever grabs the toy can play with it? What what happens? How do things go down at your house?
0: Yeah, so I would say that it's the the last one. Like we we have a playroom and there's toys. There's you know trucks and cars and things but there's also a barbie house and really uh, when i watch the the two older ones because my youngest is one so she's kind of she's out of uh the playroom because she has her own play place that's has um really baby proofed area for her uh but in the playroom they really play with whatever and it's interesting to watch them play because they don't have any restrictions they can you know they have a kitchen where they make food and i think that's maybe you know kind of a neutral toy uh but you know they may play with the barbie dolls they may play with the trucks and the cars and they really have no concept of oh this is a boy's toy versus a girl's toy but i will say that my son has been gifted the trucks and the trains and those sorts of things. And my daughter was gifted the Barbie house. So, you know, if we ask them, well, who's, whose trucks and trains? Oh, well, you know, those are my sons. That's what they would say, but they don't have any concept of, you know, Oh, that's one or the other. So I won't play with it. And so, you know, and as you were talking, I'm, I'm going to go back for a minute because I am reading this book called Scream-Free Parenting, and they were talking about how, you know, as parents, we shouldn't label our children. So sometimes people say, oh, you know, he's a mama's boy or it's daddy's girl. And those sorts of labels also kind of feed into certain characteristics that we say. And so you know, I, I think that that also plays into the verbiage that we use uh, towards our children may also drive them in a certain way versus another, and and that was something that just kind of popped into my head because I was thinking of how I I try to watch how I say things, and I think that some of that is again kind of trying to not pigeonhole them into one particular space, but at the same time, it cracks me up when. You know, I don't dress my two older kids. They dress themselves and they will come down and one. my daughter will be in like a pink shirt and pink pants and my son will come down in a blue shirt and blue, you know, blue jeans. And it always cracks me up when we go out because, you know, again, like that, they just naturally do that. There's no one way about it. It's, I think to answer your question, my husband and I are on the pretty much the same about this. Uh, he does prefer to kind of be more rough housing with my son than our daughters, but I don't think that he necessarily says, you know, oh, this, or he can't do this. And again, they kind of just play with whatever's down there. So if they want to play with the dolls and, you know, do something with them, I don't think there's any discouragement on our part.
1: Yeah. I think that having, you know, if you're lucky enough to have one of each and then you have toys, you sort of have the, 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 The toys that cover the gamut of boy and girl, then I think they do have a lot of um, ability to self-select what they want to play with. And I think in that situation, I think it's harder for a parent to be like, no, you can't play with that. That's your brother's toy. I don't foresee that happening a whole lot. But I do think that if you have, you know, two girls or two boys, um, then you're going to have how much, uh, if you have two boys, how many say, more popularly associated with girls are going to show up in that household. Um, unless parents are gifting them and that parent is willing to receive those toys and bring them into their house, um, I don't think that that would be naturally occur because your friends, your the grandparents, uh, they're going to buy sort of what is gender specific, not gender neutral. And so I think that as parents, we're constantly sort of fighting Um, the rest of the world to keep our children's environment broad and not narrow, because I think society will do that for them anyway. And we have to really let them know that, no, there's this full expression of, you know, what you want to play with. And don't decide, you know, at four, what you're going to play with for the rest of your life, right? Like be open, and try out different things. And I think that's a good metaphor for development and growth. You know, I mean, everybody has to try on something for fit and see how it is. And you keep what works for you, and you let go of things that don't work for you. And I think that's a good, you know, habit to um, develop when you're parenting your kids, because you really want that it to be their choice Um, and, and let them realize as a matter of, you know, what they like and dislike and eliminate and keep. And I mean, it's, to me, I, I guess we're talking, you know, I'm going from a small specific topic to sort of a broader parenting style, but I think that works. I mean, I think that's really important and we have to fight the urge to fall into different, I never would have connected what you said about like a mama's boy, and how does that tie into this topic? Because now that you said it, I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You put that on your child, your child is going to live up to that somehow or other, or you're going to perceive them doing it. And so how do you really stop using some of the phrases that really end up, you know, like residue on children, right? I mean, they, they really should have not any of those put on them. So that's really interesting. I mean, uh, uh, quickly. I mean, do you have any comments about that? I mean, how did they tie those two together? I'm so curious about that. yeah, and i I have to go back because I don't remember exactly the link. Uh,
0: I just it stuck with me because it was one of those things where, you know, my everyone says my son's a mama's boy, uh, and I'm fine with it. I don't have a problem with it because he, he's my only boy. And it goes back to when i I talked to some of my friends. They say, you know, I have a very different relationship with my son and my daughter. And again, I don't know if that is, uh, you know, biological or something like that. It just seems that I have a different relationship with him than my daughters in a lot of ways. Although I have, I have different relationships with each of them individually because they have their own personalities and I do different things with them. Uh, But I can't remember exactly the link as far as why that was. I wouldn't say it was considered negative, but why they were saying, you know, you shouldn't label it. I think that really the concept was like, child not labeling their personality characteristics before they have fully developed. And instead of like, oh, that child's lazy or that child is uh, a hard worker, like moving away from these characteristics or these categories for your children and instead just kind of allowing them to be who they are. And that was, uh, that was part of the concept. I can't remember how it fit into the parenting because the book is about scream free parenting. And it's really about lessening our anxiety, you know, because that's typically what the screaming is coming from and really allowing the child to be who they are. And...
1: the one thing that resonates with me, sorry to have cut you off there, is really the idea of judgment. Like when I hear a kid is lazy or this, it's a judgment. And I think that when you start judging your child's behavior, then that child, you know, that becomes their identity in some way. And that's where I think it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. Whereas if you, I think the hardest thing as a parent to do is not to read into anything, right? And to just be able to, you know, almost be matter of fact, like describe the behavior and not the child. Uh, not easy to do when you're raising your child and you're putting all this time and effort into it, but at the same time, I do feel like, you know, what, the one time that they do something, if you judge them on it and then that becomes a persona you project on that child, you really haven't given the child um, the opportunity to prove you right or wrong, you've sort of already labeled them that way. And so I can definitely see why they would do that. And as a parent, if that behavior that you've labeled them creates anxiety for you, then that is going to be a trigger point for you as a parent. And, um, and none of us are perfect. And we always make, you know, we can fall into those behaviors. But I think it's a good cautionary tale to stay away from that And to almost as a parent, record the behaviors of your child and not read into that too much. Because I can guarantee you next week, next month, next year, they will not be the same.
0: Yeah, that's Uh. exactly, that's exactly what it was. Thank you. You made the link because I was like, yeah, we're going somewhere with this. And I'm not sure exactly where (laughs) where we're going. But yeah, that was exactly what, what they were talking about. And especially if you label a child as uh, you know, they're lazy, for instance, instance, and so you say, like, my kid's lazy, they never do anything, you know, then your frustration with them is the result of you of that judgment. And then that can feed into how you interact with them. So I think that it kind of all comes full circle, because again, there's a lot of, I, I don't think I don't think it's just generational, generationally, that people are trying to, quote unquote, create gender neutral children, I think that we're trying to create an environment that maybe doesn't have judgment. And I think that that's a good way of categorizing it. And and it's something that, uh, again, I don't know that anybody does it that I can say definitively, but I do try to encourage because we were talking about STEM, like, you know, science experiments for both children. And really, you know, let's talk about math and just like creating a fostering environment of opening up doors so that they don't, kind of what you were saying with your daughter, like, so they don't feel like they're pigeonholed into avenue because I'm a boy or a girl. It's just, there's opportunities out there and I have to take them.
1: Well, I will tell you that if we end this conversation Um, And the conclusion is is that uh, gender-neutral parenting leads to judgment-free parenting. I'm all about it. That's fantastic. Because I think ultimately that is such a benefit for us as parents and the children that we raise, because children that are raised that way are really allowed to blossom into whatever they want. And they become the best expression of themselves. So I love the way that we're ending this conversation, Lisa. I feel like, wow, that that is like check all the boxes. That's that's wonderful. I'm glad. I don't know if we intended to get there, but the conversation naturally drew us that way, and I feel really good about the way that ended. That that we're ending on a high note. Well, and I
0: think that you know we probably curious to hear from our listeners, but I, I wonder how many parents out there are like, yeah, that's what I was trying to do, but I didn't call it gender neutral. I just try to be a, you know, maybe judgment free or just a good parent in general. But I think that it's interesting that, you know, again, generationally, there's, we were both kind of aiming for the same thing, you know, I'm still raising mine. So there's still time will tell how they, you know, end up maybe 10, 15 years from now. But, you know, both of us were really just encouraging them to be themselves. And I think that that's something that probably didn't happen in just like the last 10, 15, 20 years. That's probably something that parents have been trying to strive for. But maybe, you know, society didn't allow for that in the past. Or or maybe, you know, we had just, you you don't do that. You don't give, you know, a boy a doll or whatever it was that, you know, was the mentality before. And now there's some easement on that as we really have, you know, evolved, hopefully as a, as a, a species, so I think that that's you know it, it's interesting to see that that's what we're all trying in some ways to to aim for, and I think that it again time will tell what that looks like for generations to come. But I, I think that I'm I'm gonna start calling myself a judgment free parent, so that's that's where we're gonna end that. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Another great episode of the deconstructed woman and looking at another topic that's very close to both of our hearts. Um, Just want to remind our listeners that we'd love to hear from you. And we've heard some great comments and we take all the feedback you give us and try to become better. And um, we do take it to heart. Please drop us a note at the at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you. And please tune in next time for another episode Um, with Lisa Marie and Joji. Until next time, we'll sign off for now. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast, The Deconstructed Woman. If you liked this podcast, please share it with your friends, rate this episode, or subscribe to be notified of all new content. We want to hear from you, our listener. Do you have thoughts on the discussions we're having? want to share topic suggestions, or want to join us for a topic that you're passionate about, contact us at our email address, thedeconstructedwoman at gmail.com.